Welcome to the IoT podcast powered by Paratus People. Be among the first to find out what's happening in the fascinating and growing world of IoT from the industry leaders themselves. Hi, it's Charles Pierce from Paratus. I'm here today with uh, Dr. Alex Tata, uh, Chief Cyber Consultant here at Talis UK. Um, Alex, obviously, we're well aware of what uh, Talis do as a company. Uh, do you mind telling our viewers really the, the sort of industries you cover? Sure. So a lot of you may know Talis UK uh, primarily from defense. So we do a lot of work with the MOD, uh, but we also do over 50% of the work we do is actually with critical infrastructure. So we have a lot of work with uh, network rail for transport for London. We do a lot of the under, uh, London underground signaling. Um, air traffic management. We do a huge amount in um, European-wide air traffic management solutions. Uh, in-flight entertainment systems. So we're the second largest supplier of in-flight entertainment systems in the world. Um, space. We do a lot of, we're partnered with Leonardo and do a lot of European space payloads. Um, and here within uh, Talish UK, we do a lot of work with um, EDF on the long-term support contract for um, some of their power stations, nuclear and conventional power stations. So you name it, pretty much every critical uh, part of critical infrastructure in some way, shape or form involves Talos. Yeah, I had no idea that you sort of covered such an array of industries there. No, and really. I suppose with that, you know, IoT now is heavily focused within a number of these? Yeah, so more and more we've gone away from just using big pieces of technology and integrating them together to provide a dedicated solution to now enabling a lot more data um, communications to the customer. So customers rely on using more and more data to make some of their business and their mission-driven systems. So pretty much all of critical infrastructure in some way, shape, or form uses data to inform what they're doing and how to do things better, more efficiently, and more resiliently. Um, so yeah, Talish UK a while ago decided to pivot and really focus a lot on trust uh, and focus a lot on the use of IoT and other technology solutions to enable the digital transformation that we see our customers going through. Talish UK a while ago decided to pivot and really focus a lot on trust uh, and focus a lot on the use of IoT and other technology solutions to enable the digital transformation that we see our customers going through, yeah. which was part of the reason why we ended up buying Gemalto okay. uh, working together. Yeah, and what does it Gemalto do? So, yeah, um, you probably know Gemalto from a lot of the... Um, digital identities they provide to things like um, SIM cards, uh, bank cards, anywhere you see that small gold chip um, in some way, shape or form probably uses Gemalto technology. So they're one of, and if not the largest supplier of digital identity to things like IoT devices um, and the key management solutions that back them up. So it's not just enough to have an identity you can give every device uh, if you don't make use of that identity. And so a lot of Gemalto solutions, and part of the reason we see such a synergy with Talus is to be able to take that digital identity um, and be able to use that in a way through things like PKI to trust it. And if you trust the uh, digital devices, then you can start making a lot of business management decisions. And as a result of that, you can start doing a lot more. Yeah, so really heavily focused, uh, you know, in terms of, um, you know, chips on your bank cards. There's a lot of sensitive information there. And, and how do we keep this secure? Yeah. For a long time, we've known how to securely communicate using encryption. So encryption has gone from being a very difficult, knotty problem that only uber geeks really understood to now it's dead easy. You can find RSA algorithms and other things printed on T-shirts. We know how to do encryption really easily. And you can download and get encryption uh, pretty easily from OpenSSL and um, OpenVPN online. There's plenty of um, open source solutions to enable you to do encryption. So encryption isn't the challenge 
challenge. Um, it's the key management that's always the challenge. Just because you can exchange identities, that's how you really authenticate them. And that's pretty much um, whenever we see things go wrong in encryption space, it's almost entirely down to uh, the use of the screw-up of key management than it is on you know, the weakening of math. So nobody breaks encryption. Uh, everybody just chooses to steal the keys or in some way reduce the entropy. With all good things, you always end up with a bad thing. And at the moment, you hear it within the cybersecurity industry, people talking a little bit less about security and more about resiliency. And the reason is because security still conjures up this idea of a binary choice. You're either secure or you're insecure. And what we're trying to say is, going forward, I think it's almost impossible to be truly 100% secure. secure yeah. So at some point, something's going to go wrong. And the challenge we have at the moment is business has been so focused on efficiency, driving it through automation, through the use of technology. I can make things run you know, quicker, more effectively, more communication with each other and more efficiently, really, really well. But the challenge is you've now got something which is going very quickly, very efficiently, but highly fragile. One thing goes wrong and the ripple effects cause the entire thing to crash. Yeah. Um, and so as, a, as an industry, we're having to start looking at, okay, maybe we shouldn't be running so quickly and efficiently and being fragile. Maybe we need to introduce a few more barriers, you know, a few more steps in there to enable resiliency so that one single impact, the ripple effects are contained. So we'll probably end up in an environment, at least I hope we'll end up in an environment where things might not be as efficient. So we might accept a little bit degrading performance, but no one incident is going to take down the whole infrastructure. You can have the odd little brownouts, the odd little hiccups, but nothing where the entire infrastructure stops. Yeah. Which is the concern today is it's everything so integrated and everything relies on everything else that when it goes wrong, the knock-on consequences could be large. So obviously, you know, many industries are facing um, a sort of an input from IoT. And, and which industry would you say at the moment is one of the front runners with IoT? Okay. Um, well, I'll give you a good example of a streetlight problem um, because everybody's wanting to invest and wanting to utilize um, IoT devices to enable smart everything. And so smart cities, smart infrastructure. Um, but in the rush to adopt this, sometimes people don't realize some of the real inherent challenges. One of the challenges is key management. So I'll give you an example. Um, an IoT vendor wants to make a smart card which will enable uh, wireless communication and be able to control a streetlight. And that manufacturer makes a PCB board, an IoT board, and they sell it to a variety of different uh, streetlight vendors who will build them into their streetlights. And so the IT vendor manufactures 100,000 and sells them to four or five customers. And those four or five integrators bolt them into their streetlights. And they manufacture however many hundred thousand of them. And then they ship them around the world to be stored in warehouses, uh, ready to be put in the ground. And so at some point, they'll win a new contract and they will take those um, streetlights and they'll give them to a construction company who will embed them in the ground. And at that point, they are now connected up, wireless accessible to the general public because they're streetlights, um, and they want to have only authorized people walk up and be able to communicate with them to configure them. And then once they configure them, to hand that over to an infrastructure company to be able to manage them. So if you think about that for one second, you have, you have a customer who wants to be able to walk up and configure their streetlight, but only they should be able to configure their streetlight. But 
they, you know, at the time they, they've plonked it in the ground, they didn't know which streetlight vendor they're going to buy from, and the streetlight vendor didn't know where they were going to get their devices from, or however many. So the real challenge is you have hundreds of thousands of streetlights, all available and open to the world to be communicated, uh, to be programmed, but at the time of manufacturer, they had no idea of where it's going to end up. So in talking about IoT security, we talk a lot about encryption. We talk a lot about how you can secure the endpoint, but we talk less about the real challenges, which are registration, the interaction of that device with the real world. If you can't, if you can't solve the supply chain problem and the registration problem, you're probably in some way going to screw up the security um, of, your, of your smart city. And where do you suggest we put these security uh, infrastructures in place? Yeah, it's... All right, well, in that specific example, um, I could work out a technical solution where, all right, which trust anchors you need to put in where um, and at what point should you trust them? And I could do it with about three different trust anchors. If I had three trust anchors, um, then I can enable this trade-off between different parties being part of that communication, uh, being part of that flow, because the IoT vendor needs to update their card. So they need to have a trust anchor in order to securely update their card, which is different from the uh, company who's managing, who needs to log in to securely change the configuration. Um, and there needs to be a third one in terms of the streetlight vendor themselves. So I can make it work with three. The challenge was... Um, the technologist came to us and, you know, the IoT vendor came to us and said, here you go, here's the chips I've bought. Oh, there's only space for two trust anchors. That's just what the chip manufacturer gave me. So you had to try and solve the solution, which really required three trust anchors in technology and required two. So this is part of the challenge, I say, of a whole IoT space is it's incredibly complicated from a supply chain, uh, from a chip side. So just because you can doesn't mean that it's going to work for all scenarios. And in terms of these trust anchors then, uh, you know, when when do we sort of, you know, stop in terms of numbers? Obviously, you know, three, three there's sort of a limit, but we have, you know, other devices, you know, incident rail network, for example, where, you know, one device could have X amount of trust anchors and, and how do you sort of, you know, limit or control it? Well, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is a problem which we haven't quite sorted out yet. Um, the whole idea of a trust anchor, and, and these things exist in pretty much every technology from your iPhone onwards, is the idea of there is one public key or one thing that you inherently trust, and that's typically built into the chip itself, either at the time of manufacturer or they squirted in that chip and then essentially blown a fuse to stop it being able to reprogram. If you can't reprogram the trust anchor, it means you can't override that trust. Yeah. Um, and so we've done all of this and we pushed all these you know, devices out there with these trust anchors built in. And we suddenly realized, wait a minute, we can't change them. So once they're in there, the only way of solving the problem is to basically recall them, change out the hardware with something new and put them out there. Because if we could remotely change them, well, so can an attacker. Yeah. And you no longer have that root form of trust. Yeah. So that's why part of the challenge with IoT is thinking about really where do you, you know, who owns the trust? How do you, dis, you know, distribute that trust between the manufacturer and the operator and the uh, maintainer? There are multiple parties, the users. That's the real challenge that IoT has, um, is how you distribute that trust without essentially saying, ah, forget it, we're going to make it really easy, shared keys everywhere, and you sacrifice security for ease of use. So in terms of, you know, the industry which is going to benefit most from IoT, which in your, you know, professional standpoint would you say that, that is going to be? It's a hard one. It's a very hard it one. It is. It is. And I don't, we don't quite know yet. 
And I think that's because what IoT enables is more sensing and more data to be generated about the physical environment of where things are, just things we've never been able to measure before, we now are able to measure and we'll be able to influence. And if you can measure something, well, typically that measurement in some potentially has value. So we've never been able to access that value before. So now when we talk about businesses digitally transforming, it's really businesses finding new revenue streams uh, from digital technology. And IoT is a key enabler of that. Suddenly, you have access to a lot more information, which enables you to make more business decisions, which enables you to create new value streams and operate more profitably or more efficiently, which means lower cost to the customers. So I think if we can solve the trust problem, and if customers and businesses can trust the IoT technology and the information they get from it, then I think a lot of different industries are going to be changed. I mean, agriculture is one where there's already using IoT in a huge way to make agriculture more efficient. Um, and I think it's just going to happen the same in pretty much everywhere. Yeah, definitely. And improving the sort of, uh, you know, even down to yield rates, etc., through IoT, yep. isn't it? So, you know, the sort of industry as a whole does change. And I suppose there is a lot of integration between different ones. You mentioned, obviously, with smart rail, smart rail linked to smart cities. Your smart cars are linked to your smart cities, and suddenly we have a chain as such. So, you know, flicks back always to the, to the security aspect Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And it's the ability to exchange data, as you rightly pointed out. You know, that I know there's a lot of discussions within industry at the moment about you know, how do you integrate these systems together? So you're right. If I can understand how many people on the road heading to the station, maybe I want to change the uh, time at which trains, trains leave in order to accommodate people. And if a train is running late, all right, what are their onward connections, if we're able to understand that, to basically put two trains going to the same you know, similar platforms better to enable crossover. So we'll suddenly end up with more data about what people are doing, which will enable everything to operate essentially more efficiently. One of the biggest impacts um, IoT is going to have is in something like the automotive industry. So we talk a lot about the uh, ambition of connected cars, autonomous vehicles. Um, well, to enable that reality, you have to have the ability to securely communicate, the ability to update because a car, especially a car which has a lot of smart technology in it, needs to constantly be updated to ensure security. So a car is connected to not only its manufacturer for services, but to also its users to enable entertainment, to the roadside equipment to understand, roadside infrastructure to understand the speeds and the other weather conditions, and to the other cars around it. So you have, for that to be a reality, all cars and infrastructure need to communicate. But you do have to assume that sometimes there's going to be bad actors. So you have to be able to trust who you're talking to and to trust the information that they say, but not trust the untrustworthy people, um, which is a really difficult challenge. And it's one that Talos has been working with in the automotive sector. So we're working with the likes of Tata Communications, um, with Williams, with uh, Jaguar Land Rover, in trying to incorporate um, digital trust technology, um, key management, essentially, um, which if we can trust the endpoints and we can trust some of the technologies, it enables all these communications. And if you enable communications, you can end up realizing the vision that is autonomous connected cars. Without any of that trust, you're going to have a bad time. And you, when do you think we're going to see the more, more of a, you know, a systemized rollout of autonomous vehicles? I was just in California for last weekend, and I, already, I drove past one of those autonomous cars driving around. So it's coming. As yeah. they say, it's always within the next five, ten years. Um, 
realistically where we're at the moment is Talus plays a strong role um, in the community looking at how do you regulate this stuff? How do you satisfy to the regulator, the insurance, to the customer that the car is as safe as it could possibly be? Um, and therefore, you have to include security into it. So we're doing our best to try and get those standards and get that, get that regulatory regime out as quickly as possible. Once you have that, the technology falls behind and I think we'll start to see an explosion pretty quickly. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for more episodes in the IoT podcast, the leading podcast among the IoT community.